Your move, creep. Mission luck, Bruiser. You go, Coco. Dino, DMA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Retrograde, the podcast where we talk about older movies, talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they still hold up. I am one of your hosts. I am Austin. And I'm the other guy. My name is George. That's very appropriate that you call yourself the other guy. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) that's why I'm in the foreground of our our podcast uh, artwork, and you're, like, behind me a little bit. I'm, but I'm Tom Cruise, though. So, Are I you? Mean, y- yes, clearly I am. Plus, I okay, feel like, use. I, because I feel, and I also think that I just look closer to Tom Cruise, so. <laughs> if we were talking about Jesus, yes, you look closer to Jesus. Do, do you know you're like two feet taller than Tom Cruise? <laughs> hey, man, that's, that's fine. You know. Okay. Yeah, so in case you haven't guessed, today we're going to be talking about Tony Scott's Top Gun from 1986. Tony Scott. This this is the guy that does This is Ridley Scott's brother. Rest in peace. He died yeah. a couple, he died a few years back. But he leaves a fantastic legacy if you think about it. I mean, this man has made he made hits. He did make hits. Granted they weren't all critically well received but then we got bangers like top gun we got dominoes we got uh fucking, wait what, what? It? dominoes yeah domino the one with um oh domino Kira yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah he made that one true uh, not true romance yeah true romance true, true romance and then he made one of my favorites uh fuck what was it damn i can't remember the some favorite. I'm like skimping out on all the names right now. But he made one with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine recently. Oh, Unstoppable, the train movie? Yeah, Unstoppable. You're the worst. Yo, I, oh that movie's a lot better than you remember, man. I, I couldn't get through the trailer without laughing. That, it's pretty That great. train, the size of the Chrysler building. It is fantastic. And this man's fantastic. And he gave us this classic, Top Gun. Yes, Top Gun. So this movie came out in 1986. Both of us were not born yet. So what was your, do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Oh, I was a kid. I saw it at my grandma's house, but I was super young. Cause we, cause so I used to stay at my grandma's house. They lived, we lived in an in a apartment complex and my family lived on top. My, my grandmother lived below and I would constantly go there and we would always play like Gran Turismo, like Crash Bandicoot, and we'd always watch movies. And that's where I saw like Space Jam. Um, and Top Gun was one of the films that we saw as well. Um, that's vaguely, I could just remember images. I can't remember too much about the actual experience. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it because I saw it multiple times after that. I, I also don't remember the first time I saw the movie, but I have a story about one of my early memories from Top Gun. When I was in a freshman in high school. Um, it was like my first class as a high school student was this health class in the morning. And I didn't know anybody in that class. But somehow I befriended these two guys whose names I don't remember. 
one of them was Ethan. I don't remember the other guy's name, but they were like cool skater dudes, uh, really chill. And we got an assignment to make a a health board game. Do you remember making board games in school? Board games? Yeah. Do you ever have to do that? Yeah, I I think so. It it seems like something that would... So everyone was, like, doing, like, you know, minimal effort to, like, make their board games. But, like, our guys, or my group, they wanted to do a themed health game where it would be Rocky versus Top Gun. So, So we had... we. I had to like print out like little like uh, figures of like the the jets and of Tom Cruise, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky and Apollo Creed. Roll the die, you move the spaces, and every card was a Top Gun or Rocky reference. Like, oh, too close for missiles, go back two spaces. <laughs> Goose died, game over, <laughs> or something. Uh, and it was it was so much fun. And I wish I wish I still had that game. It's somewhere out there what was the grade that you could do you got an, everybody got an a in that class but like our a was like earned it, it meant something <laughs> I, I think at the very like at the very end we like made like little steps like it, the the steps that rocky runs up you know yeah <laughs> they're like little like paper that we folded like an accordion and like so we it was actually like a 3d thing i loved making board games when i was in school <laughs> that's so much fun and do you have it I don't know where it is. Oh, that's a shame. It was, and like that was, it was, everyone's like scared about going like to the new school and stuff. But like that moment was like, eh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, you're, you're always scared about, you know, where are you going to sit during lunch? Who are you going to, who are you going to hang out with and stuff? And that must've been an awesome experience. Yeah. I wish I had something as cool as that story, but I, I do not. <laughs> I just I just remember being in my grandma's living room, all my cousins together, and just watching a bunch of random films. The the film I could definitely go back to is watching Space Jam in Spanish. <laughs> and that being the only version of Space Jam I have ever seen. But with Top Gun, I, I can't recall. I could just picture like the time of day and who was there, but not the actual film. Um But it's it's weird though because I love Tom Cruise. Love, love this man. I am diehard Tom Cruise fan. Um, you know, I know some people are like, well, the Scientology thing. I, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I love this man. And he, he, like, his films have always hit differently for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. During college, uh, I was dating someone. Um, and during the summer, I was working two jobs. Um, so I was working seven days a week. Um, either between seven hours to 15 hours a day. I was working at a videography place and a, at a grocery store. So I was always exhausted. And mm-hmm. it got to the point where I was like, sick. I was getting yelled at and asked questions every single day. And I just wanted to be alone in my room. Uh, and one day my girlfriend, she was like, hey, I want to go do something. Like, I just want to hang out. You know, she was just, and she was being very reasonable, very sweet. I was the one being unreasonable, right? I was just, yeah. you know, I was in a, in a, I was having a bitch fit, um, like 24 seven. And she was like, Hey, look, I don't care what, just do whatever you, I just want to spend time with you. Right. Being very sweet. Mm-hmm. And this is going to make me sound like a complete asshole, but I was thinking <laughs> oh, like, no. I was thinking like, all right, what's something that we could do where we're spending time together, but I don't, we don't interact. 
especially on this day because I got yelled at at a customer and my bosses made me ask for forgiveness. What? Yeah. Ask for forgiveness? What? Yeah. I feel like you'd sound like less of an asshole if we got, if you remember what the customer said. So at the deli where I worked, it was at, it was, we closed at 10 o'clock. A customer from earlier that they came over, they came back to the store. He's like, hey, you gave me the wrong meat. I asked for this and you gave me that. I was like, oh, you know what? And this is after we had closed. I was like, oh, you know what? My bad. I fucked up. So let me get you the right stuff. And that meant I was going to have to stay a little bit later. But I was like, look, I made a mistake. That's on me. So I gave him the I gave him the meat that he wanted. This other customer shows up like, hey, I need some help. I was like, hey, sorry, I'm, I got to close because I'm going to. I'm, we're, we're closed. I helped him because I made a mistake. And the guy was like, that's not my problem. And we started getting back and forth. And basically, he just said something. And I shouted back at him. And I think I I, I was like, like get out of here. Yeah, basically, like, be gone, wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Space Jam reference. Um, but it, basically, I just shouted at them. And, and you know I'm loud. But this was like mm-hmm. an audible, like, the, the cashiers turned over and looked. So my man, so the guy went to my my manager. Manager was like, "Hey, give him to me and apologize because you, you're not supposed to shout at people." And I refused. And then I, I ultimately I wanted to leave early. This was like ten fifty already. I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. out of there at eleven. I ended up staying there until eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. So damn, I got I was angry, and my girlfriend at the time she had been like, "Hey, let's just hang out. Let's just do something." And I was like, "I don't want to." But we hadn't hung out in like a week and a half. And remember, Oof. we're in the same area. Like we're in the same city. It's not like, you know what I mean? And she was offering to come down to my place. So I'm trying to, so I'm, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm still seething and I'm still angry. And Did I'm you ang- talk to her about it? Did she know? She knew. But she was like, well, we could talk about it in person. I was like, I just don't want to talk is the thing. Right? And I was like, easiest solution. Let's go to the movies. And I'll get to why Tom Cruise is important to me because we go and, and we're like, all right, what do you want? She was like, oh, absolutely. Let's go to the movies. What do you want to watch? I was like, uh, let's go watch Edge of Tomorrow. Nice. And I didn't I didn't know anything about it. I didn't care. I liked Tom Cruise at that moment, but I was like, ah, you know, he's, he's cool. Um, we go watch the film and I loved it. And it was almost like at that moment, the film hit so hard that by the end of the movie, I was like a completely different man. Like I was totally, I felt good. I felt happy. I was, I was talking to her about what everything. And like, I opened up, but I was a way more calmer. And I was like, why did this film hit so hard? The next day I went back to rewatch it. And then I went on the Tom Cruise binge. And I've just, and that's when it's like one of those things where it's like, this person has been in my life for my whole life, basically, like in my subconscious, like I've known about Tom Cruise basically most of my life, really. Because he was a big star even before we were born. Yeah. You know, this, and my dad loved him. Top Gun was what made him a star. Right? And he was in the up and up too, because he was a, he was in he worked with Francis Ford Coppola, Days of Thunder, and then he would just grow go on it to explode in the nineties. Yeah. And it was at this moment when I was like, Oh my god, like Tom Cruise is like you know how kids have like childhood heroes? Like they'll have Superman. Of, well they have <laughs> Superman. Uh, or they'll have like like real life like Kobe. Kobe was a lot of a lot of people's uh, like role model. That's why when he passed away, a lot of people were affected by it. Um, yeah. You know, my cousin, he loved Kobe, and for the longest time, I never really felt that way about a specific person. It wasn't until I was a grown ass man when I was like, oh my god, Tom Cruise is that guy to me. 
<laughs> like, like he is my Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until Edge of Tomorrow, and I just and since then I've gone back to rewatch the bulk of his work. I very few stuff I haven't seen. Yeah, I I think I also have a similar like because he's been a movie star ever since I was a kid. You know, like I remember like the the talk show uh, Rosie O'Donnell show. She would like have this like crush on Tom Cruise and always try to get him on her show and stuff. Um, and even now, like he's making those Mission Impossible movies. He's like going back to Top Gun. Uh, it's and it's I can't help but feel excited. He's had such a varied career. Like he's had a very strange career, and he's always been a big blockbuster guy but he's not afraid to do some some weird stuff i mean like 90s yeah, like, magnolian eyes wide shut uh vanilla sky and like minority report and edge of tomorrow they're like sci- sci-fi movies and and they're not like big sci-fi properties you know no but he he's willing to oblivion i don't even like that one like it, it was okay he he always stands out for me you know and people yeah. like and people are like oh his range it's not like denzel which granted that's very you know denzel has range but i it's there's still it's tom cruise just has a certain charisma yeah that's very pleasant to watch it's kind of like brad pitt brad pitt's a very good actor but he knows how to carry himself in front of the camera i love top gun but it wasn't totally well received by a lot of critics it was yeah it's like a 54 on Rotten Tomatoes out of 56 reviews. It was a big hit, but people kind of like, oh, it's just planes and jets and stuff. Yeah, it's it was one of those movies that's like critically whatever, but audiences loved it because it was, I don't know, I guess no one had ever seen anything like that. I don't know. Um, 1986 was was a pretty great year in film i think what else came out that year uh so we've already done this but it's um little shop of horrors also came out that year oh aliens oh <gasps> ferris bueller's day off Damn. the fly Damn. stand by me Fuck. it's also the year soul man came out oh my god and i'm looking at like a list of all the movies it's 32 on this list is it 32 highest grossing movie of 1986, Soul Man. Have you heard of Soul Man? No. It is, it's a movie where a white guy tries to get into a college in blackface for a basketball scholarship. And he's bad at basketball. Congratulations, Mr. Watson. Thank you, sir. I'll do my best. Some people do anything to get into Harvard. It's going to be great. These are the 80s, man. It's the Cosby decade. For Mark Watson, all it took was a little soul. I'd like you to meet my good friend, Kareem Abdul-Ali. We got Washington here on a coin toss, so he'll take Leon. That's Watson. Oh, Oh, I saw the picture. I Googled it. In order to win a scholarship, Mark Watson, the white son of an affluent psychiatrist, pretends to be black on his application form. When he's accepted, he alters his hair, skin, and speech to conceal his true identity. It's maybe not the best year in film, but, you know, aside from that, there's a lot of other good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the intentions are... Soul Man. He didn't give up. He got down. Got out. No, it's it's bad. It's, it's a bad idea. Um, But... <sighs> What? That's... Yeah. What? Anyway, that was only 32. 30- oh, short circuit, too. <laughs> oh, my God. 
So what I'm learning is 1986 was a great year for some films and also a racist year for films well, in general. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, that... It's <laughs> crazy. I'm just laughing at this fucking thing. Dude, like, oh my god. The, the, I watched the trailer for that movie. I'm like, I don't believe this is a real thing. I think someone made this oh. up. And then I'm watching, like, no, this was a thing. Guess who's coming to college? Soul, man. Oh my god. Oh. Is that in the tagline? Guess who's coming to college? A comedy with heart and soul. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. Maybe we should do an episode on that. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. I I tell you right now that movie does not hold up. I am I I kind of I kind of want to watch it. It's that same it's that same impulse to want to see the uh the Harriet Tubman film but with Julia Roberts. Like it's horribly <laughs> offensive, but I kind of want to see what that looks like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Miss Tubman, Miss Tubman just Julia Roberts turns around. Yeah, the the Michael Bay like <laughs> Oh. oh. That's kind of why, except Soul Man actually happened. Yeah. Wow. Okay, but uh, uh, top. Okay, yeah. Um, so Top Gun was the number, the highest grossing movie of '86, followed by Crocodile Dundee, then The Karate Kid Part Two. Whoa! Back Karate Kid came out that year. Part Two. Oh. Oh. Okay. 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 Aliens was number five. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home was six. The Color Purple, Ruthless People, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And then Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Is that a sequel? I've never heard of that movie. When I go through like these top grossing movies of 80, you know, when we do this podcast, some of these movies are like, when I say the movie name, you'd like, oh, you know, the lines, you know, the people. Then I'll say something like uh, Ruthless People. And I don't even know who's in that. You know, it does not sound familiar. Back to school. That that doesn't sound familiar. We talked about that one before on the Little Shop of Horrors podcast. Because Back to School was starring uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Did we talk about that movie? Yes, because Rodney Dangerfield almost voiced Audrey too. Oh, you're right. We did. Yeah. It's a, it's a movie where Rodney Dangerfield goes to school to college. It's like Billy Madison, but with Rodney Dangerfield going to college. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> That kind of that that kind of that sounds a little that kind of I'd like to see that. Well, eighty six was a good year. Uh, I'm gonna retract it and say eighty six was a year. No, like there's some good stuff in there. There's some pretty bad stuff in there. No, um, aliens, top like those are that alone. I just I feel kind of I was like man that number five that should have been like top top three like that's top top yeah. two. Well, like again, like it was eighty six, and I think. People were a little bit more. They'd rather go see Top Gun than Aliens, and like because Top Gun's like U.S. USA USA uh, boys being boys. Uh, Aliens is like an action horror R rated movie. Do you think? Do you, you think know? that's that that maybe that had something to do with it? The fact that it was like a horror film. That because I, I think it may, so. that I, would make sense to me. I think maybe there is just. Uh, I mean, it's very patriotic. Obviously, it's a military movie. Yeah, you've got Tom. You've got Tom Cruise, but it's also it just seems like it's an easier film to watch. Yes, exactly. Like you could, you could, I could see me and my family going to watch Top Gun. We're definitely gonna go watch Top Gun Maverick. I'm gonna take everyone. Um, whereas like Aliens, like uh, Alien Covenant, I don't. I'll, I'll, t- I'll go myself. 
uh, one thing I want to talk about about before we like actually watch the movie is this how this movie kind of kicked off Tom Cruise's career Shoot. as a like a a lister guy. So this is not his first movie. No, you know he's made uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other movies before, and I want you to tell me how many of them you've heard of or you've seen. Okay. Endless Love. Never. Taps. Yes. You've seen Taps? Yes. Wow. It's it's uh it's a movie. <laughs> uh, uh, Tom Cruise is great, but uh, it Taps is a movie where like these military school it, they're like getting shut down, but they don't want to be shut down, so they like take over the school like some like <laughs> terrorists or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the Outsiders. Yes. Losing it. I've never even heard of it. <laughs> Can you guess what lose it? I'll give you a hint. His character's name is Woody. What do you think losing oh, it he, is about? Okay. I yeah, that dude that dude's that dude by the end is not gonna be a virgin. That's the that's the whole plot of the movie. Oh, I wanna see that now. It has a twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, I wanna see it. Nineteen in nineteen eighty three he had losing it and risky business. Which of course. You've seen? Absolutely. Uh, all the right moves. Never. Legend. No. Legend is. I have that movie. It. It's. I think it's worth watching. It's. It's pretty. Pretty great. I'm looking uh, at the poster. That looks really cool. Yeah. But, uh, Legend is directed by Ridley Scott, which of course is Tony Scott's no way older brother. Really. Yes. And Legend. Apparently, the guy who made uh, the Legend of Zelda based it off of that movie. Link and Zelda? Yeah, Link, Zelda, Ganondorf. Those they all have characters in the the movie, like uh, counterparts. And the way that um Tom Cruise he kinda acts like a little barbarian, sort of. He's like screaming and stuff. <laughs> like the way he the way he walks around in that movie, it's that movie's is special to me. <laughs> I'm looking at the I'm looking at the poster right now and this poster looks dope as fuck. Oh, I really want to see this now. I'm gonna rent this. I have it. I, will, I guess you can't take it because of the quarantine. Yeah, keep um, your distance away from me. I, if you want, I think we could do an episode on Legend. Oh, hold on. This my man has a unibrow in Legend. Yep. Oh, but he's still handsome. But oh, that unibrow. Oh, this looks weird. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the picture. It's okay, I Legend is very weird. But, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we break and do the movie? Um, no, it's just, um, wow, I just realized I haven't seen a lot of his early stuff, except Taps is, Taps is the only thing I've seen that's from his really early career. Um, wait, Endless Love, was that the one with, uh... He's barely in Endless Love. He was still, yeah, outside, he's barely in Outsiders. Yeah, he's, he's a main character in Losing It, uh, Risky Business, All the Right Moves, and Legend. But I don't. I think if you total, like if you add them all up, the gross of all those other movies, it, Top Gun still has a higher gross. One thing that just looking at the numbers surprises me is that this film cost fifteen million to make, which I don't remember. That's that's really cheap for the time. Yes, it's just cheap in general. Cheap. It's it's probably like fifty forty million now, maybe. Uh, it's uh, thirty five million. Okay, so fifteen million in nineteen eighty six is thirty five million in twenty twenty. That is really cheap. That is 
that is middle budget and we studios don't make middle budget movies anymore or they rarely do and they rarely ever turn out to be huge hits because it yeah. costs 15 million it's box office with 356 million round round rounded up to 357 because it was 0.8 that's a lot of money yeah that's a ton so why didn't they make a sequel right away well right we kind of did with days yeah. of thunder but but different different property, different uh, same genre, but different different shtick. Why did it take so long for them to greenlight it? They made so much money off of this. Yeah, they re-released it in theaters. They did it an IMAX 3D re-release. It sold well in home media. So why wasn't this immediately? Why, why didn't they immediately jump on a sequel? They started thinking a sequel was in active development in 2010. Jesus. But you had like a 20-year gap there. Yeah, I think that shows you the difference in the mindset that the studios had, maybe. How, how do you follow up Top Gun with a sequel? Does he actually go and go to war with the unnamed country <laughs> that they're fighting against? But I mean, but... I don't think you can, you can take the story of Top Gun and take it anywhere else. Like, isn't the sequel, like, just him going back to school? He's being a teacher, but... I'm sure you could do something like Tom Clancy has built an entire career out of military novels and stories. And okay, Tom, the genre of Tom Clancy movies is all like military conspiracy and and stuff. You know, the Jack Ryan stuff. Yeah, totally not what Top Gun is. No, but you could definitely go in that route if you want. I'm just I'm not saying there should have been a sequel. I'm just curious as to why not. I don't think Top Gun is an unsequitable movie. Like, I'm sure if they really tried, you could make a sequel. Because, hell, we're making a sequel now. And granted, it's the next obvious step. But you could... I'm just curious as to if they wanted a sequel, they would have found a way to make it. Hollywood, a lot of the times, their decisions yeah. are not made. So they make sequels that don't make any sense. Today... Very Hollywood today is very much of we need franchises that we could easily market, right? Yeah, let's jump the gun with the dark universe. Exactly. But they, that that mentality was still around back then, though. I mean, they made like four or three Jaws sequels. They made sequels to Psycho, they made sequels to Alien and Predator. So I'm just curious as to why was Top Gun the one thing that didn't get a sequel? Because maybe look, creatively speaking. You're probably right. Maybe David Mamet could come in and it's like, look, I, I just don't know where the natural progression of the story goes, right? Or, you know. But for a studio exec that looks at the numbers and says, oh, okay, so we cost, it costs 15 million, probably 20 million with marketing or 25 million, just, just pulling the number out of my ass. But we still made 300 million? I, I just, I don't know. I'm just like, why wasn't mm. something made? And, it might have to maybe we can find that out when we do the second part like when we do all, all the research and yes. stuff i'm i'm i it must i think my only guess right now is that tom cruise said no i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna look into it because i i'm curious all right now is the time when we break and we watch the film and we come back and talk about more of the production side and what we think of the movie whether or not it holds up and uh yeah all right see you guys in a sec Seriously, Lana, call Kenny Loggins because you're in the danger zone <sighs> from Top Gun. Just be careful. No. 
Hello everybody, we are back from watching Top Gun, directed by Tony Scott from 1986. George, what is your uh, first impression after watching this movie again in 2020? I still love it. I think it's great. However, <laughs> there's a lot of things that haven't aged well. <laughs> yes. As, as most movies go, you know, but there are some... I think yeah, th this one, there, there's like an entire sequence where it's like, this is making me uncomfortable. Why is, <laughs> you know? Basically, the entire romance between Tom, Tom Cruise and, uh, and uh, uh, shoot her name, <laughs> Kelly McGillis is a little, it's a little weird. It's, it's weird in, in the beginning, I think. But I think after that, like, because of how they're super into each other and like they the, the long gazes and stuff like that elevator scene when he's like, uh, I'm going to take a shower. Thanks for all this. And she's like, Oh, I thought you were going to stay. <laughs> yeah. Th there's, well, no, that, that's at, that's at her house. That's not in the elevator. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, a, the elevator happens right after that. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. I admire the route that they took with the film, meaning, you know, it's, it's, uh, at a school, set in the school, um, but the bulk of it is really the relationship between uh, Pete, uh, a.k.a. Maverick, and uh, Kelly McGillis's character, Charlie. Um, and just kind of him learning to just be a team player. I like that approach. So if you haven't seen Top Gun, um, Top Gun is about a really talented but like reckless young pilot, Pete Mitchell, Whose name they never really they say a couple times, but no, most they, people they say it call them. They, they well, they they call each other by their call signs. They always they refer yes. to him as Maverick, but they say Pete Mitchell enough uh, in the film. They for don't you to know. say it very much. You, they mostly say Maverick. Yeah, but they say it enough so you remember what his name is. Okay. <laughs> How many times do they say Goose's name? Oh, I hardly ever. I don't even remember. Never. What. They never name him. They never do. He's always Goose. Yes, <laughs> I couldn't even remember. Yeah, because it didn't happen. They just always call him Goose. So it's, it's about these two, or this pilot, and then his uh, Rio, who's like the guy in the back seat, I guess, of these uh, jets, fighter jets. So they are really talented. They're in the top one percent of all pilots go to this like special training school, and whoever graduates at the top of their class is like the best pilot in the world or whatever, and they're. I think the school is called Top Gun, right? Yes. So about these two guys that go to Top Gun. And the the dude is trying to like make up for something that his dad did, but his dad died and it's classified and people think that it was the dad's fault. So he's trying to clear his family name. And he also like starts a romance with one of his instructors, who's a, a civilian, I guess. She's not an officer. He's like in this competition with Val Kilmer's character, uh, Iceman. They're both really good, and they both there's a lot of uh, sexual tension between them too. Well, we we could talk about that, but the the thing about Iceman is that he is a by the books pilot. He does not take risks when he doesn't need to. He's very he's technically a proficient pilot, whereas Maverick is the complete opposite. He is the he is the wild card. He's the guy who will take all the risks even when they're not needed in order to finish his mission in order to get the bad guys. So it's these two opposing pilots just constantly butting heads with each other. And it, it, throughout the film, they're unable to see eye for eye until the climax of the film, 
which I mean, this is a 30 year old movie. So if you haven't seen Top Gun, I'm sorry. Why are you listening to this podcast? If exactly. You seen Top Gun. It's literally called Retrograde. But if you haven't seen Top Gun, still listen to our podcast. It's still we, it's worth we, a listen. We like listeners, like <laughs> feeling validated. Yeah, that makes us proud. Yeah. Um. Until until the end of the film and the climax, where there's a bunch of Mick G's. What? Or not Mick G's? Sorry. What's what's? <laughs> I totally. I don't know why I a bunch named of the director. directors of Charlie's Angels yeah. and shit. Well, what what are they called He's again? The Mac Migs. 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 The Migs. There's a bunch of. It's basically America versus an undisclosed country, but we secretly know that it's the Russians. Are they Russians? And. Well, the, the, the MiGs belong to the Russian army. A lot of people own MiGs. Well, back then, I guess, it was, it was implied that it... Because it was during the Cold War. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Like, the Cold War politics of this movie. And it takes place... And the, the beginning and ending of the film takes place over the Indian Ocean. So, we're not going up against India. That's true. And so, there's this, hu- there's this huge climactic air battle. And uh, Maverick saves Iceman. And... He he gets reunited with Charlie, and it's a happy ending. Oh, also, his his uh, co-pilot, Goose, does die. He dies, like, yeah, like two-thirds of, into the movie, and then he gets really sad for, like, a big chunk of the movie. Do you know who his co-pilot was in that last battle? Yeah, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. Did, I forgot he was in it. I, yeah. I had no idea. Shawshank Redemption. And then, like, his role in that second, like, towards the end is just him freaking out. Yeah. He's useless back there. Oh, yeah. Mav, you gotta like, lock on. That's not good. Yeah, Mav, what are you doing? Oh, my, oh my God. He, yeah. And then, like, he, he's, like, holding Goose's dog tags, and he's like, talk to me, Goose. And it's, you hear Tim Robbins' voice just, like, fade out. So, <laughs> he's not, he's tuning the dude out. Yeah, he, he, was, <laughs> he was not useful. At least Goose... Goose was a really good hype man. Goose was a very good hype man. But he wasn't... Like, he would enable Maverick to do stupid shit. But then they have that one scene where he comes over and he's like, Hey, I have a family. I want to graduate. Don't get don't get us in trouble anymore. They're friends. Like, yeah. Goose is very much ride or die with, like, with, with Maverick. He's very... And that's one of the things I really loved about this film is the relationship between Goose and Maverick. Yeah. Because it's like, he is his hype man. He loves Maverick. And one of my favorite scenes is when uh, it's Maverick and Goose uh, chasing Jester, Mm -hmm. their instructional officer. Michael Ironside's character. Yes. Yeah. Sam Fisher. When they're they're in a chase together, Jester's chasing them. Maverick manages to uh, flip around real quick and starts chasing Jester. And when Jester's trying to like get away, Goose says like one of my favorite lines. He's Goose says one of my favorite lines. We're going ballistic, man. Go get him. He's going vertical. So am I. We're going ballistic, man. Go get him. <laughs> and I love that, like, cause that's just like the most hype man attitude. Like, go get him, man. Like, oh, we go. Oh, I, I just, I love that entire scene. Great balls of fire. this this film yeah it's i thoroughly enjoyed this film it's a very uh entertaining enjoyable movie there's not like except for the goose dying and stuff like that's that's where you know the drama comes in it hit me uh well you know it hit me too i mean it's there's this guy who basically his best friend has just died 
in a horrible accident that and it fucks with him too because yeah. that it's cool seeing maverick just be this guy this who gives He's a like, shit devil i don't listen to he, the rules and i still win like I exactly. I'm I'm good at everything. And then just he becomes he's castrated at the end yeah. of this film. For a little bit of time, obviously, not the entire there's, time. But there's a big chunk of the movie where he's not the same guy anymore. And everyone's wondering, like, what what's gonna happen to him? And they're like, We don't know. Like he he is a different dude. He can't he doesn't lock onto his targets, he can barely land. Everybody is trying to like get him back. Even like the teacher who was like, You're you're a loose cannon. He's he starts like flying so that Maverick can like lock onto him. He's trying to like give him a win. Yeah. His girlfriend tries to like cheer him up and he just like tries to leave the school without saying goodbye. And this is like and this is like one of the cockiest Tom Cruise roles we've gotten. It's, it's leading up to that. And there's like a scene where he's like picking up some of his stuff in he, like uh, in uh, in his house bef- right before he talks to Goose's wife, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, <laughs> yeah. And this man just looks like he's about to like cry, like he's about to like yeah ball and just and yeah. he's holding it together, barely holding it together. And you can tell how close he was with Goose and, and Goose's wife because she's not even upset with him and I think that makes the scene more touching she's like yeah he would have hated flying without you but he would have done it but he loved flying with you man and then she like gives him a big hug and stuff. yeah and that's the thing and a lot of critics because just remember this film got a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes some people said that the flying sequences were amazing beautiful which they are and they're like but they're there's no drama dated, there's no I think I think the flying scenes are kind of dated because you can like when they're flying that fast, it seems like the f- there's something going on with the frame rate. Well, I, I know what happens. I, I know what I know what they did. Um, But people say that it's not traumatic. Mm. There's no weight to it, which I mean, yeah, this isn't fucking Sophie's choice. This isn't fucking <laughs> Saving Private Ryan before the, the blockbuster film that it is. There's still some weight to it, at least. At least there's a, a segment of the film where the main character is distraught. Yeah. And he and Tom Cruise is convincing enough. Yeah. That that chunk of the film does hurt. And Kelly Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise have some fucking chemistry. Yeah. Just the way that they you could see these people fuck in real life. It's just some natural chemistry yeah. that they have. And I'm like, and you buy it. You're invested in it. What what do you think about the story elements? Well, I, I think the story it's very much like a an ode to like male testosterone, I think. You know, because like it starts with the the top one percent go to Top Gun, and then you you have like the Top Gun anthem build up, you know, and before it gets to the the like right before it gets to that part of the song, it immediately goes into Danger Zone. And you see oh, like yeah. the flight crew dudes. This is like the very like first five minutes of the movie. You see like the flight crew dudes like do these weird gestures. They're like one of them is dancing. He's having the time of his life, and it just it just immediately gets you in like a fun zone, you know. And Kenny Loggins, he's he's like what the voice of the eighties, you know, with this song "Danger Zone," the the freaking Caddyshack movie. Um, he did one more theme song, "Footloose." You know, he wasn't their first choice for the for the theme song. That's crazy. You know who was? Who was? Toto. Like Africa? Y- yeah. What? They were their first choice, but I guess they passed up. 
That and song that song's pretty good, man. Danger Zone was dope. Yeah. Uh, they, the soundtrack for this would go on to sell 9 million copies. Yes. This soundtrack was arguably probably more popular than the film. It's a very like rock and roll, fun blockbuster soundtrack. I know people who've never seen Top Gun, but they know that song because of they, uh, Archer. <laughs> <laughs> and and also the, the song between Kelly and Tom. The, uh, the Take My Breath Away, which won the Oscar that year, beat uh, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, which I don't agree with. But uh, This beat Little Shop of Horrors? We talked about this on the Little Shop of Horrors episode. I might I might have forgotten. I'm I'm not on Little Shop of Horrors. I'm on Top Gun territory right now. I'm thinking about. I remember your reaction. Th- you're you're like, oh, I gotta give it to Tom. Like Tom didn't fucking sing the song. God damn it! But <laughs> Tom's in the movie. God damn it! Also, I mean, both songs are good. Honestly, it's yeah. They're both memorable. I could have given mm-hmm. you could have given it to either one. I'm just choosing Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is my boy. And so. That's how the movie starts. And then the first line that Tom Cruise has is talk to me goose, which is like forever cemented in our the pop culture lexicon. Like you'll you'll hear that in different contexts. Like I think they there's even a, a Borderlands side mission where it's just Top Gun references. Do you remember Borderlands, the video game? I never played the first one. I, t- I think it's in the second one, because they have those like flying enemies and they're like, Oh, we're too close for missiles, switching the guns. And then you have to, like, set volleyball nets on fire. I might have not understood those references when I played the game. Because I just didn't remember the... (laughs) That that scene where he's like, talk to me, Goose. It's just so reminiscent of Star Wars. It is. Use use the Force, Luke. I I love it. Is that your Obi-Wan? Yeah, use the Force, Luke. I don't know what that is. It's Ben Kenobi. That doesn't sound like Alec Guinness. Sounds like your ghost of Bruce Lee or something. Oh, now I'm going to be obsessed with thinking about what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So, so male like, testosterone. Yeah. So like it's it starts with like the rock song and then the talk to me goose. And then he's like doing tricks against the enemy fighter. He like flips upside down and flips him off and takes a picture. And then like he gets chewed out. But like at the same time he's getting chewed out for for you know not doing what he was supposed to do. He's like, well... You're a really good pilot, and there's nothing I can do. I wish I could nail you, but I can't. What does he say? Your, your yeah, no, ego. He says that. Your ego is writing checks. Your body can't cash. So that's the principle from Back to the Future. Do you remember? Yeah, he's he's great in this movie. So he te- he lists all the things that he's done wrong. Like you've done three uh, flybys, and you've made a pass out of the admiral's daughter. So it's like <laughs> you, you know that he's like a bad boy, and he's like a ladies' man. You know, it's like. He's like a guy that a lot of guys want to be, you know, just this raw talent and sex appeal and all that. And then they go you to know? Top Gun and then there's that scene where they go to the bar and then he says, after like a bunch of different shots at all these women, this is what I call a target rich environment. <laughs> <laughs> I, la- I laughed at that. <laughs> Oh, that well now and now we're talking now we're going into the what we think has not aged well. Yeah, I think is, it's the, I think it's the bathroom scene. But yeah, is it? It's also how he comes on to her in the very beginning. We're like singing the song. He's like, you know what? She's lost that love and feeling. And then Goose is like, oh, what? Oh no, I hate it when she does that. This is where they start to cross the line. I think. Well, th- there's one scene in particular that really crosses the line. Yeah, is, like literally. Yeah, they. <laughs> 
So Maverick is approaching Charlie. He sings one of the Righteous Brothers songs. Everyone in the bar starts singing. So it's and kind of all, like they all like yes and and they all like come into the song and do the but um but um. And then he and then Maverick starts talking to Charlie. He doesn't know who she is. Um, she doesn't know that he doesn't know that she's gonna be working with him. Yeah, neither of them know who each other are. Like, th- imagine like you're at a bar waiting for someone, and then this dude comes up and starts singing to you. With a bunch of other dudes. That's pretty intimidating. That's very much, yes, it's intimidating. And it gets worse, because after she, they start chatting up, and then she's like, actually, I'm waiting for a friend. Um, and then she leaves and goes to the... An older guy shows up, she she meets with him, she goes to the restroom, Maverick follows her. Into the women's restroom. He, he starts talking to her, saying, do you think that guy is going to, that older guy is what you're looking for? You know, trying to dissuade her, because he thinks they're romantically involved. And that's where I'm just like, ooh, this is just not like, ooh, who thought this was a good idea? Yeah. And then you think it's like the 80s, like, ah, oh, shit, man. That was weird time. And she's like, what, are we supposed to do it on the floor? And he's like, no, I think uh, this counter will provide some good support. And like, oh, <sighs> God. And now this is an important scene that I'm going to bring up later. This This scene gave me kind of a weird vibe when I saw it at the beginning. Yeah. And then I started looking up stuff that happened afterwards. Not with this film in particular, but well, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think it might taint a little bit how you see this film. I think it will for you, Austin. Pro- maybe, yeah. I'm pretty sure it will. Af- after that, like, like, you don't even need that bathroom scene, to be honest. Because like, you already get, like, oh, she's not interested in him. And then, like, the very next scene, he goes to class, and then they're like, oh, and we have a civilian instructor. You don't have to salute her, but you do have to listen to her because she's really smart. We call her Charlie, and then it's the girl from the bar. And he's, like, putting on his shades, trying to hide his face. And then she's, like, giving intel about the enemy Migs, and he, he like, oh, I can correct her. And then he, like, says, oh, I've actually seen him go close. I was inverted. I could tell you more about it but it's classified <laughs> like a little brat <laughs> that scene was so no it was he is being a brat and it's so funny <laughs> and, and every everyone's calling him out on this bullshit and goose is like nah man i have a polaroid of it well it's that's, specific Iceman is calling him out on this bullshit yeah. which apparently was an ad-libbed line yeah it was <laughs> it was it was ad-libbed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such it's such a like uh, a douchey like schoolboy thing to do to cough badly and say bullshit under your breath like bullshit i don't even know who the first person ever did that but they were a goddamn idiot yes you just say it's, bull- like it's perfect for his character the thing about tom cruise is that he's a brat he yeah. is the cocky brat that could do whatever he wants Iceman is the um well actually yeah <laughs> He's the guy with a stick up his ass. Yeah, like he's the A plus. He's the stu- He's the kid that always got an A plus. And if he got like a ninety two on a on a test, he would go to complain the teacher and say your test sucks. And even when everyone's like, "Whoa, you saw the mig up close! Wow!" And then he's like, "Hey, who was covering Cougar when you were uh, doing that fancy flying with the mig?" Well, honestly, that was a good point. Yeah, a, re- a responsible pilot would have gone in and immediately locked onto the mig. And it would have like flown off. It would have disengaged, and Cougar wouldn't yeah. have been locked on for as long as he was. Yeah, because essentially, sh- when you're when you have the missile lock, you're dead. 
because they're they're pointing a gun at your head. So he's had this gun pointed at his head while Maverick is like doing tricks, going upside down and flipping off the to get the pilot in the other aircraft. So and this entire time Cougar has been locked on. He's locked on for like a solid minute. And what they establish in this film is that once you're locked on, you're good as dead. When they do their tr- training simulation missions, if you get a missile lock, that's a kill, and you've beaten that pilot. So when Iceman called Tom or called Maverick on his bullshit, he's like, "Who was covering Cougar?" That's a valid point. Yeah, that just goes to show, like, he was willing to fuck with these MIGs, and if that meant that Cougar was locked on for like a little bit longer. That was that was the price he had to pay, and he does the same thing later on in one of his classes, and that's like the first time he loses, I guess, because he leaves Hollywood to like go shoot down um, like their instructor Viper, but it's all a trick. Viper knew that he was going to do that, and then he had Jester, Michael Ironside's character, lock onto him to teach him a lesson, and it was like that's where the whole like. Never leave your wingman. Never leave your wingman behind. Yeah. Um, so, like, we talked about the romance. We talked about, uh, like, who well, Maverick I, I, is. What, is there something else you wanted to say? With the romance, I think the, the bathroom scene is a little creepy for me. I think what doesn't hold up is just the fact that you'd have a pilot in this school dating a civilian that's working for the school. Like, I, yeah. it's just, I know, I, it's just, I feel like it's a little awkward. It's a little weird. It's, it's very, like, like, male fantasy, I think. Like, you'd be, you'd be in, like, the, the bratty kid in school, and there's a hot teacher. You know, there's a whole Van Halen song about it. Yeah, and it just feels a little, it just feels a little, not out of place, but I think out of place by today's standards. Because I don't, and the thing is, they keep their relationship, their romance a secret. Nobody finds out about it. Yes. Why do you think they keep it a secret? If it was 100% like fine, nobody would have given a fuck. But they know that she might have given him preferred, that people, if she ever complimented Maverick, Charlie. If Charlie ever complimented Maverick, it could have been seen as having her having preferential treatment uh, giving him preferential treatment yeah it's a big it risk for her so it's just a little weird and i think that's we're we're way more sensitive to that sort of thing today too mulan the the, the live action remake is doing that exact same thing because there's the in the original animated mulan falls in love with her commander trainer what's his name um the let's get down to business guy yeah him but in the new film they split his character up into two so the commander is played by um, Donnie Yen, and then I guess they created another character, a subordinate, who's in the same training program as Mulan, who I guess is her romantic interest. So you don't have and, like the superior and underling ro- romantic relationship. Yeah, because I think they're trying to steer away from that, and pe- yeah. the filmmakers have gone on to say that that is a reason that they but in, separated. In that situation, it would be the commander taking advantage of the the uh, subordinate right in Eight. top gun it's the subordinate this she's like his teacher but she's yeah. a civilian so she doesn't outrank him or anything she's the one with something to lose yeah so i think that that all adds to like you know like the male ego like she's she has it so bad for him that she's willing to risk her career to to be with maverick i'm not taking it too seriously because it's just um 
it's just a movie from the 80s like it's just a it's it's a movie black. that's that's like celebrating male ego male testosterone and you the know. entire thing is and a honestly, lot of it i'm is. like and like the reason like, it doesn't like bo- it it kind of bothers me but there's also a lot of like homoerotic tension where it's like what is is maverick by <laughs> I, I swear he looks at charlie the same way he looks at iceman that bar, in that bar uh, scene, the bar scene where he first meets Iceman, he's oh. like, she's checking him out. This he's looking at him as Goose is talking to him, checking him out. Like, yeah, it is. He's checking out his competition, right? But it, he looks at him the same way he looks at Charlie. And when they talk to each other, their faces are so close. Oh yes, on they, multiple scenes. Yeah, they use like the telephoto lens, like the long lens. It makes it look like they're even closer together than they actually are. And then there's that scene where he's where he like bites the air in the locker room. <laughs> there's some there, look, man. I'm fine with it. It's it's super fun. It almost like like uh, and there, another Kenny Loggins song playing with the boys when they're doing the volleyball scene. The volleyball scene. So. So he gets a date from Charlie. She secretly passes him a note saying 5.30 sharp. And then it goes to a volleyball scene and he's playing against Iceman. And be- they never say what time he leaves, but you know that he's late to playing with Charlie or to, to going to, go have- to Charlie. Yeah. And from the lines, you can tell that Maverick stayed longer than he was supposed to, to try to even up his uh, volleyball score with, with uh, Iceman. Because after the the game, they're like, "Okay, we're we tied up now. One more game, and we can beat these guys." And he's like, "No, I got stuff I got to take care of." So he stayed for an additional game to tie up with Iceman. It's you could see it's definitely it's definitely the competitive nature between Iceman and and Maverick because he doesn't want to lose. Yeah. But these two men have an attraction. I'm not saying I'm not saying attraction. I'm not using attraction in the sexual. I'm just they are they want to outdo each other as very badly they don't want to be next to each other but they can't help be next to each other you know what i mean yeah and it just and that volleyball scene is fantastic it's it's just and then you go from that scene to maverick being in kelly's house and he does the weirdest thing he's like i'm gonna take a shower in her her place the first time he's there I did. I just thought that was a weird thing. That was sidetracked, but that was just a weird like. Yeah. Who the Who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, I'd let Tom Cruise shower in my house, but if he said like, "I'm gonna take a shower," I'd be fine with it. But then I'd also be like, "He could have like asked." I would have said yes, but he could have. Why didn't he ask? I don't know. I just. Ugh. Yeah, and they play the the love theme there too. Brown, 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 brown. And, yo, can I quickly just say, they don't film sex scenes like they did back then. Yes, they, they do they, not. Because when, when Maverick and Charlie finally finally have sex. 54 minutes into the movie. It is like, it is like, there's a, there's a gentle blue light coming from the window. Small breeze just whooshing the curtain. He slowly takes off her shirt, or he, take, he takes off her shirt. He takes off his, they're facing each other gently touching each other caressing each other then they go in for a gentle kiss and then they lay down and she licks his face gently though everything about this is gentle 
And I'm just watching this and I'm like, oh my God, they don't make them like this anymore. But before that, before that though, it was not gentle because they're driving like maniacs because he's mad that she told him off in class and he's riding his motorcycle blowing through stop signs and she's chasing him with the same reckless abandon. Like she's driving, she almost causes an accident. And then they argue, they argue and they're like, I couldn't tell you that you were right because then they would see through that I've fallen for you. And then they make out and then it goes into the love scene. But think about how people think about how most movies nowadays treat romances like that. Number one, you either don't show any romance. They they kiss and then they like fall out of frame. (laughs) Or as in Marvel, they just kiss and they never show any fucking never. So that's that's the, the Marvel treatment. Or you're right. They they'll kiss in any other film. They'll kiss. And then they'll like fall to the side and there's no hint of it. Or number three, you go the rated R route and these dudes are like tearing each other apart and they're doing the nasty in the car, in the carpet, on the wooden table that collapses. And it's just like you just see some angles where like, what the fuck is that? Okay, so one thing I want to talk about uh, watching the movie before we talk about like production and stuff um, is the flying scenes I, I mentioned it briefly where it's like it looked a little bit weird sometimes but everything you need to know about the flying scenes is laid out so so clearly like the uh the way that the pilots are like looking around dramatically like whipping their heads back and forth like you know oh shit they're behind them you know mm-hmm. you know that like oh if you get a missile lock that is a kill and then they'll back off yeah they they make it very they make it very obvious for people to know like what's happening and they do a pretty good job of following the action pretty well i i thought so cuz it's fun you you say that the action's dated i think like of. visually it looks dated like you're not actually seeing the maneuvers with the plane like you know that maverick's trick that he does like twice in the movie is like he's going he's purposely letting the person follow him so they he can hit the brakes and then get behind them. Yeah, but you see it in the film. It doesn't look as clean as it would in like a modern film. Like I'd imagine well, the new... like in the Top Gun trailer, in the Top Gun Maverick trailer. Yes, in the new Top Gun trailer, like that looks. Those flying scenes are going to look amazing. I think I'm way more lenient on the film, knowing the budget they had. They had a a 15 million budget. It's funny that like they talk about how much the planes are. They're like that's a 30 million dollar plane. Like that's twice the budget of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's but it's it's funny because it's just it's funny when you think about it. it that's expensive because at least with a film you can make money back, but with this yeah. plane, it's like there's no you lose it, you lose it. Yeah, I just but yet like look at the the freaking U.S. budget, like how much of it we spend on the military versus like oh shut up Austin you anti-American. It's about blowing shit up and fuck another country it's up. About the America! Pot- it's about potentially <laughs> blowing stuff up. Do you know how many freaking missiles that the, these aircrafts actually shoot in real life? Only like four or five, right? Not that Well, they not did that shoot many. down a, like 30 planes in the, the Gulf War or something, but like they don't, they don't, there's just a bunch of guns that we just stockpile up, you know? Things that go boom. Well, it's, it's funny because at the end of this film, in the climax, Maverick shoots down three MiGs. Yes. And... It's funny. It's funny because it, I mean they they totaled that there were like six MIGs that went into the fight. Three at least of them are five. shot down. At least at least five. Yes, 
He shoots down three, and I think two of them leave. Three and get shot down by Maverick. One gets shot down by Iceman. And it's funny because this climax seems like a very um, special circumstance because in the in the in the new Top Gun Maverick trailer, they talk about Maverick's exploits and how he's one of like one of the best pilots because he shot down. He's the last pilot to shoot down three enemy to be in an enemy encounter and shoot down enemy combatants. And I'm like, that was 30 years ago. Like, yeah. there haven't been other dogfights? No, that, that doesn't years? happen in real life very much it at does, all. It doesn't. No, because the is, missiles that we use now, they're just so accurate that they blow things up, like, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. I think in the, the Persian Gulf War, like, I was looking it up, like, how often do dogfights happen? Only one American plane was shot down. And they, in the Gulf War? Yeah, and, and then, like, the United States shot down, like, 30-something Iraqi planes. America! Fuck yeah! The point is, these, dogfighting doesn't happen because our missiles are so accurate. And no one can compete with the United States Air Force. Not not to the same level, you know? No, yeah. Do you know how, you know, it's so funny that once they release Maverick from the aircraft carrier, they want to send another jet. But, but the catapult's the broken. Mecha- the catapult's broken, and I'm just like, Jesus, you guys, this is all you've been training for, and this is one of the instant. This is this is a now or never, and this shit is broken. I'm just like, Jesus Christ! But it's there what so the- that it's it's all on Maverick's shoulders. Story wise, it's it's oh, it's there for Maverick to succeed for him to be the top yeah. gun right figuratively yeah. but I just thought it was funny that it's like Jesus Christ get your shit together guys yeah and that you have like the, the the principal the back to the future principal James Tolkien who plays Stinger he's in there he's going like what's happening god damn it and he keeps picking it's up that be- phone <laughs> he's like it's gonna be 15 minutes till we get it back up god damn it that's bullshit that's bullshit. Don't have 10 minutes. minutes. This game's gonna be over in two minutes. Yeah, it, it, that's what he says. It's all there to like hype you up, to like make what's happening really exciting, even though what's happening is kind of hard to decipher. Like if you're just honestly, and honestly, I disagree with you. I was able to decipher most, if not all, of the action. Yeah, I mean, like it's still like pretty good, but if this was shot today, it would look so much better. It, well. It, Without a doubt, a hundred fucking percent, I agree with you on that, and it, it's definitely going to. That's one of the reasons I'm excited for Maverick. I'm gonna say these scenes look better than the stupid Independence Day scenes. Like their flying scenes are just dog shit. It's funny because I was I was just thinking about that. Top Gun and Independence Day go about their their flying scenes very differently. They I, I, they go about them very differently in the sense that um, a lot of the scenes in the jets are CGI. Where the camera isn't connect, isn't hooked onto anything, and it's following the jet in the air, like yeah. the camera is flying along with these jets, and and that's what Star Wars does as well. And it's it's like that's how that's how Independence Day has it. It's following the jets in mid air. Yeah, that's not possible. That wasn't possible back in the nineties. So in the eighties, whereas Top Gun it has two ways that it films the action scenes that I was able to decipher. One from the ground up, so it's a camera that's mounted on land. And it's they use telephoto lenses to follow the jets flying in the air, and number two by mounting these cameras onto the jets and finding the right angle to film the action scene. Some of the cameras will be on the wing. Yeah. Some of them will be on the back end, looking down. And it's all it's very well put together. I, I think I was a little too hard on it before. I'm like for, watching for, it on mute right now. I'm like, you know what? This is actually not bad for it being very practical. Yeah. They. They, they they maintain a level of 
clarity that is very very difficult yeah and the thing is and and, and that's because it's real mm-hmm. independence day has a level of clarity in it but you have to understand that those are cgi elements those aren't yeah. a lot of those stuff aren't real mostly what i'm thinking about is when will smith is being chased by the alien uh in the, yeah. in the canyon yeah that looks terrible the camera is with will smith's jet it's almost like it's dollying with the jet that's a CGI shot. And I still like it. I still think it looks good. But but it I think it loses some of the visceral nature that Top Gun has. Yeah. Cuz with Top Gun it like it's very grimy. It's it's shaky but it's not shaky. It's not yeah. Michael Bay shaky, but it's like it's jet propulsion shaky. And also they tell you like they in, like I said they inform you of what's happening before it, it happens for real. So that by watching the movie, you understand more about how they're fighting each other. Yeah. There's no like wasted scene when it comes to flying because it teaches you something that's going to come into play at the very end. Every flying scene in the film has something to do it with the story. It has a purpose. Story. It's yeah. like, all right, you, you're not supposed to go below this level. You're not supposed to, um, you're not supposed to be, if you're this close, you have to use guns. If you you can't leave your wingman behind, if you get move that caught used, in the person's jet wash, you flat spin and you can die. It's very well done. It's it's and it all prepares you for that climactic battle where everything comes everything comes together. Um, yeah, and, and that's why the the climax is so wonderful. It's an emotional payoff, but it's also one. It's a payoff of stuff that we've learned. Seeing everything come. Yeah, you together. have like so, the the commentators, you know, like that's bullshit. Tidbit. It's kind of like it's kind of like Speed Racer in a way. In a way, yeah, because it, it's like can, a really talented see, guy who's going up against insurmountable odds. Well, and, in the entire film, you see Speed use all these different tricks to outmaneuver other yeah. racers, and in the end of the film, he kind of uses everything that we've learned so far. Yeah. So when we see these film, when we see these moves, it's like I recognize this from earlier in the film, and even yeah. Ben Burns. Calls it like I told you, I told yeah. you. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of cool actually when you when you think about it. How these films set up this these final battles. Yeah. The two things that I feel have dated the film is there are some of the photography where you even said the frame rate looks different. Yes. I think what they did was they sped up mm. some of the footage. Going fast with those mounted cameras may have been difficult back in the eighties. I think they sped up some of the footage, and you could tell. And one of the things is how they filmed the pilots because the pilots are filmed they're not actually flying they're i think what they were they were put on like a, a model jet the jet is built on top of a of a mechanism that is like shaking them and yeah like like a roller coaster ride yeah and they basically had a back a background that was like rear projected mm-hmm. with sky footage yes and while i like it a lot i really do it definitely shows its age Compared to the Top Gun Maverick trailer where it shows a wide angle of Tom in an actual cockpit taking off of an aircraft carrier. Yeah, that that was intense. Like you see him getting catapulted into the, the sky. Like that looks great. And it's almost and because of just and what you said, because because of all the technology that we have now. Yeah. They are almost into because the stuff in the original Top Gun was probably filmed like the cockpit stuff was probably filmed on a telephoto lens. Just to kind of give, just to flatten the space, just to flatten the the foreground of of the the pilots being in the jet, being in the makeshift jet, versus the background, the rear projected yeah. background. 
now these guys are like, no, we're fuck that. We're gonna go the inverse. We're gonna film everything interior. Like we're gonna film it in the wide angle because we want you to see everything. I think they're still gonna do like the intimate, like the cockpit angle, like the Star Wars angle. It's fucking hilarious that you say that because the because when Maverick is chasing Chester, <laughs> <laughs> when he does his maneuver to 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 go behind Chester, you think of Darth Vader? Right? What? What? Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! That's exactly what I was thinking. Because the camera, because they literally turned the camera, like they rotate the camera three hundred and sixty degrees, and the first thing I thought of was like. Darth Vader. <laughs> and it's funny because Jester doesn't rotate or anything. If anything, Maverick is the one that's maneuvering around him. Yeah. Jester's just flying in a straight line. But they do this 360 degree thing shift <laughs> just to show that like he's completely disoriented. That he's like, what? And, and he's like, he got missile lock on him too. He's like, I have you now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He doesn't he doesn't say it, but like that's a that's what he, we he, all he, he says something in. along the lines. Like I think he has a line that he says when he's like about to lock onto Maverick. Okay, you're mine. Have you not? Um, it's so. I was just thinking Star Wars, and that's and that's what I think has kind of aged the film in a way. Yeah, are those kind of little things, the camera rotating, um, just being shot from very far away, where you can't really tell what's in their background. Yeah. But we know what's happening because of the actors' reactions. And honestly, it's dated the film, but I'm not even going to hold it against the filmmakers because they did yeah. so much with 35 million. And in the end, it's still 35 million? 35 or you, or million? Or adjusted of, for inflation? 15 mil- yeah, 15 million, 35 million now. Um, they did so well. And in the end of the day, it never caught me off guard, it never took me out of the experience. I think when I watched it recently, I was like spoiled by modern flying scenes and how better, how, how much technology is available now, you know, but like, oh, looking, yeah. I, I watched it, some of it again, like on mute and I'm like, you know what? I was too hard on it before. Like this, this actually looks good. They couldn't film these, this film with anamorphic, anamorphic lenses because they were too big. Mm. They were too wide. They were too long and wide. And they couldn't film it because it didn't fit in the jet. Wow. But because of modern technology, cameras were getting smaller. They're able to fit IMAX cameras inside the cockpit. Wow. That is incredible. Like, that is just a testament to the engineers behind these cameras. But I have to give credit to Tony Scott. Rest in peace. And, and those, the camera ops and the stunt. Did you know that a guy died filming this movie? Yeah, I read about it. Uh, his name was Art Scholl. He died filming, like, those. The background footage like he he died the same way goose died almost the, the tailspin he got caught in a flat spin and they they never found his remains or the plane's remains like they, they found parts of the plane but That's, he was i think he's filming the background for like the flat spin and that that just these stunt actors man they just these these they they're not given enough credit you know yeah you, yeah and it's it's awful because um this man just did what just he did this just to entertain us and the fact that they were never able to like find his body give him a proper burial it's it's awful the cynic in me is like i wonder if it was if someone was at fault and if they say it's a mystery then you don't have to like you know dig into it like i wonder if there's like a story there or if this actually was like a freak accident or something we just don't know though is the thing yeah because we don't know do you remember the twilight zone Yes. 
and the accident that happened on set with that one. Yeah, like that one was was like really bad. That was that was an example of filmmakers being absolutely shitty and and just every law and rule being broken. If you guys don't know, the Twilight Zone, they made a film and I, I think it was uh John Landis. John Landis was filming a scene where I guess there's a helicopter. At that night, there's a character and two kids running on this lagoon type area, a helicopter explode or a helicopter i don't know what this context of the scene in the film is they're running from a helicopter because he's in like a vietnam flashback or something but in real life this helicopter crashed and exploded and it It beheaded it decapitated two of the actors one of one of them being a one of them being a child and the other being the main guy and it and the plane crushed the other kid and it wasn't a freak accident it was Every rule that was put in place was broken. These child actors were not supposed to be up that late. The helicopter, it was way too foggy or there was something with the environment that was not. Yeah. Most pilots wouldn't have flown, but no, but no, no, nothing was raised. No no concerns were raised. Nobody was on trial for involuntary manslaughter. Yes. Because there weren't repercussions to Top Gun. Makes me wonder. May, might have been a freak accident, but we don't we don't know. It could have know. been it could have been a, uh, an absolute mistake on the filmmakers' parts. But um, yeah, because when I when I hear about people dying on movies, like three out of four times, it's the filmmakers' fault. It's 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 or someone just not raising concern. You yeah, have I know that there was like a, a movie with uh, uh, John Hurt where like uh, like someone got killed by a train, and then there was another one where like the Deadpool two stunt. Like the motorcycle, yeah. Originally, Zazie Beetz's character Domino was supposed to be on a motorcycle, and when filming that scene, the the person, the stunt driver, died because she wasn't really a stunt driver; she was a professional motocross biker, which isn't the same as being a stunt biker. It's 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 awful hearing about this stuff. I I I didn't. So it makes me wonder. It could it could have been, but we we just don't know enough. I think if it were irresponsible, they, it would have come to light. Because after the Twilight Zone, new rules and new regulations were put in place. Um, it was a huge deal. And there's footage yeah. of it, too. Yeah, and um, Jennifer Jason Lee's dad was the guy who died. The actor. Really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that was... Oh, damn. For a film, too. Just It's just a movie. Yeah. I love movies... At, I love him. They're one of my favorite things ever, but it's just a movie. No one should ever die. So the right. fact that, you know, they were able to do this for us and for our into- entertainment and enjoyment. Well, ac- actually, and now this, this is a good segue. Do you know much about the, the making of the film? Austin? Not not very much, no. Before this, not too many films had gotten, like, permission from the government or it wasn't widely it wasn't a method used widely among the industry to go out to the government and seek their help and approval and stuff like that right uh-huh. but top gun was the first film they needed they needed access to the aircraft to the jets you couldn't have made this film without it right or it, you could have but it would have just been a long and drawn out process because you'd have oh to- i think i know where you're going with this so they had to get permission from the pentagon 
And the Pentagon said, all right, well, we need our Navy and our Air Force to be shown in a positive light. So they had input into the handling of the script. Wow. Yes. They had, they had scenes changed and taken because of that. Goose's death was changed at the request of the Pentagon's. Goose was supposed to die in an air collision, but they changed it. They requested to change it to make it seem like an accident. They didn't want, again, they don't want any sort of negative portrayal of the Navy or Air Force. They're fine with people being competitive and stuff, but an air collision between two, two friendly pilots might have been, was something that they, they did not want. Hmm. They ultimately helped finance the film. Yeah, I read that they, they uh, gave them for like 1.8 million or something. They were allowed to use all the planes and stuff. According to a 2011 article in the Washington Post, they worked hand-in-hand hand with filmmakers, the Pentagon, and yeah, they were able to use stuff. Uh, they, were, they charged Paramount Pictures $1.8 for the use of its warplanes, aircraft carriers. But that was a discounted price, and that came at being able to change the script. To make um, it portray the U.S. Navy in a more positive light. And you know what? It fucking worked. It did work. Because they started using this as a recruiting tool. Jeez, I, yeah, I read something like uh, Navy recruitment went up 500% after this movie came out. Dog, you don't even know. They had recruiters outside of movie theaters. No way. And it worked. What? When recruiters talked to applicants, about 90% said that they had seen the movie. They also used songs like the song Danger Zone. And some of the cinematography from Top Gun in commercials. For the Navy? For the Navy and the Air, and the, and the Air Force. To master a more challenging world. To feel the confidence and pride of knowing who you are, what you can do. Show the world your U.S. Navy. Live the adventure. Call 1-800-327. Jesus Christ. Dude, this is a propaganda film. This is a propaganda movie. And the thing is... This set a precedent because oh, after because I don't okay, like that. I I told you and dude, it gets worse. No way. There's a beautiful article on the Washington Post. I definitely recommend you guys reading it. It's titled "25 Years Later: How Top Gun Made America Love War." <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, dude. This this article goes to town. Let, let me read you a piece of it. Although Top Gun was not the first movie to exchange creative input for Pentagon assistance and resources, its success set that bargain as a standard for other filmmakers who began diluging the Pentagon with requests for collaboration. By the time the 1991 Persian Gulf War began, Phil Strubb, the Pentagon's liaison to the movie industry, told Hollywood Reporter that he'd seen a 70% increase in the numbers of requests from filmmakers for assistance, effectively changing the way Hollywood works. Wow. They would go on to say that if you wanted to make a, a, a military film in Hollywood, you had to get the military's cooperation or forget about making the picture. So how, like, before that, like, so are we never going to get another Apocalypse Now or Full Metal Jacket? Well, we have a Hurt Locker. I think the different, I think the, the one-off is that Hurt Locker is an independent film. But mm. if you look at mainstream Hollywood big blockbusters, it, 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 they can't be critical of it. L l look at this. The result is an entertainment culture rigged to produce relatively few anti-war film movies and dozens of blockbusters that glorify the military. For every Hurt Locker, a successful and critical war film made without Pentagon assistance, American moviegoers get a flood of pro-war films from Armageddon to Pearl Harbor to, ba to 
Battle Los Angeles to X-Men. X-Men? Yeah, X-Men. How is X-Men a positive? They don't portray the military positively in X-Men. X-Men First Class did because of the Cuban War crisis. Oh, I did. Okay. And for and say for filmmakers, obligatory thank you, the Pentagon in the credits. Audiences are rarely aware that they are watching movies subsidized by the government. They're watching government subsidized propaganda. Jesus here's a, Christ. Here's another quote. Uh, Robert Anderson, the Navy's Hollywood point person, put it even more clearly to PBS in 2006. If you want full cooperation from the Navy, we have a considerable amount of power because it's our ships, it's our cooperation, and until the script is in a, is in a form that we can approve, then the production doesn't go forward. That is insane. You know what? That does make me appreciate Avatar just slightly a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and top the su- the success of Takan has gone on to set this precedent. Oh, that makes was, me feel bad. Dude, I'm about to make you feel even shittier. There's more? Yeah. First, tell me what you think about what I just read before I move on to the real shit. Well, I, I knew that some of it was like, yeah, I know that they increased Navy recruitment and I know that they had a hand in like saying what happened with the script. I know that they changed, like originally Charlie was supposed to be his superior officer, but they were like, no, we don't. We don't like that. Make her a civilian so that an officer doesn't uh, end up dating one of her subordinates. And I know, I know that much. Like, but what you're telling me, all this stuff, like they have recruiters outside the movie theater. Like, you can't make a movie about the military in the mainstream, mainstream portraying it, it in a, a critical way. It has to be pro, pro war essentially. That's that's. Ugh, that makes me feel awful. It makes you it makes you want to go back to films like American Sniper and just reevaluate it because Hurt Locker is an indictment of the military's actions and how, and the effect that it could have on people. But I don't think that that the American Sniper really shows how fucked up Chris Kyle became because of being a, well, we, a sniper. Well, we we could we we could get into that when we review it. That's a whole other topic that. I just don't even, I'm not even prepared emotionally to talk about after what I learned about this. This is just like, they have a, and it, it makes sense that the military have a, have a say in this because it's, it is their equipment. Yeah. It's their, yeah. it's all of their equipment. But, and like but Apple won't let villains be villains if they are using an Apple product. Did you know that? Yeah. And that's this, the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But it's just, to the extent that you can't really make a mainstream film that's anti-war without the support from the from the army. You can't have an apocalypse now. The closest we could get is a Hurt Locker, but that's not a mainstream Hollywood picture. I mean, it's it's mainstream in the sense that it's Academy Award worthy, but how many how many theaters showed Hurt Locker? I had to go pretty far to see that movie. I had to drive far too. My dad had to drive me. This was back in high school. I couldn't see it at my local theater, Bianchi. And back then, I was wondering, why is that? Why is that the case? And Top Gun. It, it, little did I know that the success of Top Gun would lead to that. That's crazy. And it's, and it's funny because back then, I was like, well, this is a Fennis Film Festival-worthy film. Maybe it's not that big mainstream and stuff. Why is it not mainstream, though? Because it talks about the addiction that war can have on people. Yeah. And it, it's wild. And now, here I'm going to drop the bombshell. Okay. So... 
when we recorded the first part, I was telling why wasn't a sequel to this film made? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any. It doesn't. It does not make any sense. Three hundred fifty-seven million dollars, highest-grossing film of that year. Why the fuck did it not get a sequel? And don't talk to me about artistic integrity or any bullshit. If I was an exec at the time, fuck the artistic integrity. I want to make money. People love Tom Cruise. Let's make a sequel happen. Okay, but before I say this, this isn't necessarily, like, no studio has spoken out and said this. This is just kind of inference that I found online, and I kind of looked through it, and I kind of figured this might have been one of the the reasons. So have you heard of the tailhook scandal? No, I don't know what the tailhook scandal is. Let me just read you the quick synopsis. The tailhook scandal was a series of incidents where more than 100 United States Navy and U.S. Marine Corps aviation officers were alleged to have sexually assaulted 83 women and seven men or otherwise engaged in improper and indecent conduct at the Las Vegas Hilton in Las Vegas, Nevada. At the 35th and in September 5th through the 8th in 1991, five years after the sequel, after the film came out. So like some of these guys were got into the Navy because they watched Top Gun. (sighs) Well, no, no, no one said that explicit, but here's the thing. Uh, more than 100 Navy and Marine aviators allegedly sexually assaulted 83 women and seven men, forcing them to forcing them to walk the gauntlet as aviators lined the hallways of the hotel's third floor and made them walk by in order to reach their rooms, groping and sexually assaulting them along the way. The scandal resulted in a massive inquiry by the Naval Criminal Inve- Investigative Service and more than 300 naval officers including 14 admirals having to face consequences with many being pushed out of the Navy. And a lot of the people in charge knew about it. And a few of them tried to hide it when the investigation opened up. Sounds all too familiar. Fucking me too before me too was a thing. This is literally what just happened, but it happened in the army. It's been happening though. Like, oh, yeah. This is showing you like how long stuff like this has been happening. The investigations led to some officers being disciplined or refused advancement in rack. Military officers and observers have alleged that flag officers standing in the symposium were not held accountable for knowingly allowing the behavior in question to occur. They said that there were a lot of men who wore t-shirts that said women are property. And there are photos of that. Wow. This is, this is just all too familiar, especially right now. I had an I had an article that I found, but they but you know what they pointed to that scene in the bathroom. In top, yeah, our hero Maverick follows the woman who rejected his advances into a bathroom. According to Medium, this also led to the Navy to withdraw its support for the then in development Top Gun Two on the grounds that the original film had encouraged the behavior in the tailhook scandal, specifically during the during a scene when Cruz as Maverick propositions. Kelly McGillis's character, Charlotte Blackwood, by following her into the bathroom at a bar shir- shortly after meeting her. They, that, that is in legal documents? The thing is, I can't find the article anymore. Oh. I, I can't find it. Yeah, but Paramount that's... Paramount found it and like scrubbed it from the internet. <laughs> but maybe that's why there was never a mention, any mentions of Top Gun 2. Because mil- I, I literally Navy... tried, to, I tried to find it. And maybe it's just because I Googled it at the wrong time. Because there is a Top Gun sequel literally right around the corner. Yeah. But it's weird. And this film, and they wouldn't, and talks about a sequel for Top Gun wouldn't arise publicly until 2010. When Cruz, Tony Scott, and Jerry Bruckheimer finally decided, started talking about it. 
Yeah, I saw an article from 2013 where like they were interviewing uh, Karen Kelly 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 McGillis, and they're asking her about like oh a Top Gun two sequels in the works, and she's like oh I'm probably too old. 2019 comes around and confirmed she's not in the movie. She's been replaced by Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly. Connelly. That is wild. That but that's the thing. This film was this 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 sequel was dead silent from the 90s to 2010 20 years without a talk of a top gun 2 think about sequels are hollywood's bread and butter i i just wouldn't know how you would do a top gun sequel art from like an artistic standpoint but like you're right like they they don't care about that they let the military like rewrite the script so that they can get the use of their planes like they don't artistic integrity doesn't mean a whole lot which I can't look. If you want to tell a story about jets, fine. You're going to need the military's help because I don't know how you're going to film that without actual jets. Again, these yeah. are things that cost thirty million dollars, and that was back in the day. Yeah, thirty million back in the day. In eighty six. Exactly. So I don't blame him for that. And if the Navy wants to see it in a in a better light, okay, fine, fine. Yeah. Okay. If I'm not tell, if I'm not worried about telling an anti military film. Whatever. Well, it doesn't like matter. Critic, it doesn't need to be anti-military, but it can be critical because, like, not everything the U.S. military does is good. And think about it: having this huge uh, 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 scandal happen—that's why. That's you know, I yeah. think it might be one of the reasons why we never got a sequel. That's until now, that's when crazy. people don't even know about it. People, people don't know about this. I didn't know about it, that. No, but. But it's super reminiscent of what's happening right now. Me too. I can't blame you. I, I didn't know about it. I had to look. I had to go out of my way to look for a for news on a Top Gun sequel. But that that was a thing that I knew about. Like, there's a lot of um, sexual abuse going on in the Navy, and a lot of well, we, women well, serving in the Navy. Well, it's like, something. It's something that we know about. It's something. It's because even I knew that there is sexual harassment in the army and military without a doubt absolutely yeah and that and that's not to that's not to shit on the army or military that's not no but that is with with how women have been treated in this country the thing yeah. is i have never been able to pinpoint a specific moment in history that explicitly mentions that i can't i'm sorry and, if, and explicitly tie it to top gun exactly and like we, we but, both knew, but like watching that movie again, like there's that one scene in the bathroom that's, that's pretty bad. But it's a then little... to know that like this movie, people were inspired to join the Navy. And I bet you there's a Venn diagram of people who've watched the movie and were inspired to be in the Navy and who are also caught up in the tailhook scandal. Yeah. It's... And like knowing that that it's like, oh, man, it is. It is insane. I don't think that the filmmakers had that scene. Because they they wanted to um, encourage any of this behavior. I don't think so. That scene of Maverick going into the, the restroom. He's not there to rape her or anything. He's not. He, he leaves. stays in there way too long. I think it's reminiscent of an attitude that made that was very prevalent back then. Yeah. And, and I don't think again, I don't think the filmmakers intended it to be that way. I think the way they saw it is like 
Maverick, he doesn't give about he doesn't give a flying fuck about the rules. He, which, he there's a line in the movie. It's like I guess when I see something I want, I go after it. A rolling reversal would work well in that situation. If I reversed on a hard cross, I could immediately go to guns on him. Yeah, but at its speed, it's too fast. It's a little bit too aggressive. Yeah, I guess when I see something, I go right after it. You didn't tell me who you were the other night. You didn't give me a chance, did you? You deserved it. I know. But, uh, you were tempted to ask me out for dinner. No. No? No. I don't date students. I can see it's dangerous for you. But if the government trusts me, maybe you could. You, you, you take that line and put it in the context of him going after a woman who's rejected his advances. That is very problematic. Yeah, and 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 what I like about the film is that it kind of turns him around. It takes the death of his best friend to 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 really st- start reexamining the way he does things. At the end, when Kelly McGinnis's character goes to Washington, he he he's okay with it he he's upset but he, you know, he's okay with it it's that not scene like he's, he's not okay with it that scene he's upset because he's upset but he still lets her go though and he he's he's still a pilot it's she goes to him at the end yeah they, that's what they they make it the movie goes out of its way to show us that she's interested in him so this yes. is like a mutually like which i guess i'll like talk about this now uh originally that elevator scene and the sex scene were not in the script. It wasn't until they they showed the movie to test audiences. And the test audiences were like, there's not enough chemistry between the two. So they added that elevator scene and the blue sex scene. But at the time, Kelly, Kelly McGill's hair was longer and brown. That's why she's in the hat in the elevator. <laughs> when i'm watching the movie it's like oh she's trying to like be low-key and like follow maverick around so that she can like talk to him and stuff like i think the elevator scene's pretty pretty good well the the scenes between them are great you buy their interest in in, in each other yes it, it establishes that the their relationship is mutual and they're both consenting adults you know and and and, and that's why i love the film because in the end of the day i still love the characters i love the action scenes i love I love all of it, um, but it just it's aged not in the best way, and e- not even. Yeah. And not, but, I'm not even talking about like it's not even awful by 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 in terms of aging. Just some of the action scenes have gotten a little bit um, rough around the wheels, but I can't I can't blame it on them. But then yeah. also some of the scenes between just the idea between Maverick and Charlie's characters just as a whole is a little. We're growing out of that phase. Yeah. We're growing out of that era of being able to have relationships with just anyone yeah. and that we need to pursue them no matter what. I think that's, yeah, that's like, he does early. play hard to get after that though. Like after the, the whole bathroom thing, he's like, you can find out about the MIG through some, someone else. And he like walks away and he like drives away all angry when she shows him up in class. It's, it's, it's entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, did you know but, that Val Kilmer didn't want to be in this movie? He didn't. I read about that. But yeah, he, he did it because he contractually was... obligated to Paramount to be in this movie. A lot of people didn't want to be in this film. Um, the lead, they wanted uh, they wanted Tom Hanks. As Maverick? Yeah. 
What? They wanted they wanted Tom Hanks as Maverick. I know that um, they also wanted Matthew Modine. Yeah, they did. He didn't want it because of the politics of the film. I can't imagine anyone but Tom Cruise. I can't either. Like that's I don't so want weird. to. He's so like perfect for this movie. And it's so funny, like the 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 entire movie like builds like the myth of this like good old boy, like American maverick guy, you know, he does flies by the seat of his pants and all that crap. And he's shorter than Kelly. She's five ten and he's a five seven. Three inches taller than him. He needed boots. Yeah, and they, they, that scene at the end when she comes back to the jukebox and plays the song, they had to like build a trench for her so that they looked the same height. Yeah, that's Hollywood, man. I, but you know, look, man. The thing is, I don't even blame Hollywood for that. I blame people. In you can blame Hollywood for that because they're no. reinforcing that. They're enabling that mentality. They're in, reinf- they're they're just playing to what people have already thought about. That for me, Hollywood, that's not. That's They're, not Hollywood's fault. That's people that who like, Hollywood's oh, fault. short people. Because there's such a there's such a dumb like, oh yeah, but he's short. That is, that may have started with Hollywood, but that's been there since like forever. Yeah, but if you're enabling that kind of mentality to continue, you're at fault too. You're the <sighs> the superior who could have you know righted the wrong, but you just let it happen. I think that is a that is an it, it regarding the tail hook. Yeah, that's that's a totally reasonable thing that you're saying. With height, though, they would have, man, audiences would have clowned on my boy. We are in 2020, and people are still making short Tom Cruise jokes. This is the era when, when we're not supposed to be saying shit like that, and we're still making short Tom Cruise jokes. Like, I don't put that on Hollywood. I put that on You should people. put it on Hollywood. Because they build trenches around women to make them seem the same height as him. Would I? Would it have been better if Hollywood shown women being taller than men? Fine. Yeah, fair enough. But I guarantee you people would have bitched and complained. I would have made a bigger deal about it. And maybe it might have made a difference. But I tell you one thing. Now in this era where we're like supposed to be embracing different people, body types and all this and whatnot. And we still <laughs> are clowning on a man because of his height fuck out of here that is i i i swear to god whenever i hear something like that where it's like yeah but this person's like shorter than me i'm like like so so that's the deal breaker something that this person has no control over and, and i just think that's like it's so dumb and ridiculous it's like dating someone based on their astrological sign oh so you're saying you won't date me because i'm a sag I, something I had Uh-oh. no control about. <laughs> I had no control when I was born. I'm sorry that I missed the Scorpio day by a few, you know. Sorry I'm not an Aquarius. Get the fuck out of here. See, you, again, you s- again, you, you're probably right that Hollywood perpetuated this. And you know what? They went out of their way to make Kelly seem shorter. Or uh, Tom seem taller. So, okay. But, man. Pff, people, are, people are gross, man. Yeah, people, people, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did Hollywood make the situation better? Probably not, but... They made it worse. I just, I just... The thing about Hollywood is that Hollywood is rarely ever proactive. It's reactive. Yeah. If people would have been positive, if people would have positive, like, reacted positively to equal gender representation or, like, high and height difference or whatever, Hollywood would have been like, all right, you guys like it? 
Here you go. And now they're going like all in on diverse casts for like uh, Netflix shows and stuff. And that's what people want. And you know yeah. what? Fair enough. Fair enough. I, you know, they are. But they could totally to- like lead the way, but they're just like reacting to what people want because that's it's safer to do that. Well, it's just it just talks about and and it is safer because audiences respond to it, and that's why I think part of the responsibility goes with audiences as well. Yeah. That's why people talking about saying we want more diverse castings and calling bullshit casting out. That's that's fantastic because they listen. Yeah. And like a perfect example. Look at the Me Too thing. Look at how long that's that's been happening. But they're suddenly ousting all of these men in power because they're reactive. I'm sure but, some people wanted to do it sooner, but yeah. But they were afraid because yeah. they have all the power. But then you know something something changed, and they're like, no, you, you don't get to do whatever you want and get away with it and have people thank you in their Oscar speeches. Jesus you know, Christ. Like, Being thanked more than God. Are you serious? Harvey Weinstein was thanked more times than God. That's crazy. Here, let me let me look it up. Harvey. Oh my God. What? So, individuals thanked in Academy Award acceptance speeches. Steven Spielberg is the most one at 43. The second, which is tied for third... God and Harvey Weinstein. Holy shit. Somehow tied. that's worse. He's tied with God. Harvey Weinstein is tied with God. Ugh. I, I just feel awful. Like I didn't expect to feel this bad after, you know, watching Top Gun and researching or having listening to you do all the research for this movie. Like, I told you you were gonna feel awful. Oof. And I wasn't bullshitting I wasn't bullshitting you. I told my sister about it and she said she felt kind of awful too. You know, you want to enjoy the stuff that you enjoy. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. force myself to like Top Gun. I just like it because I like it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but sometimes you have to be aware of what's happening behind the scenes, and sometimes you're yeah. fine with it. I'm fine with the Pentagon having a say in it if it's about them. But it set a precedent now. But it sent a precedent, an unintended precedent, yeah. that would later go on to hurt people. And it's and it's not it's not in the intention. Tom Cruise didn't think about that. They clearly they clearly felt that it was inappropriate, and that's why they didn't make a sequel. They didn't even start talking about a sequel until 2010, 20 or 19 years after the incident. And like I'm thinking about that shirt that says "Women Are Property," and they don't dude, even bother to contact Kelly to do the sequel. Dude, look up the shirt. Yep, I see it. It's wild. So, you know, you, I think, and look, and if you like Top Gun, you don't have to feel, you don't have to feel bad, you know, if you like it, but you, it's, it's good to be aware of this stuff. I see the, they made like a card or something, all weather attack, we stay up longer and deliver bigger loads. Please join the intruders for an evening of imbibing chicanery and debauchery. That's, this, that thing is literally referencing the tailhook incident. He-Man Women Haters Club. If you got him, hang him. <sighs> yeah. And, and I, I, I found out about this. I still enjoy the movie, but it definitely, it is a sour note. And, uh, but I, I guarantee you this. The, 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 the best thing to come out of this is, number one, the tail hook incident coming out front and center. And yeah, now, now anybody who listens to this podcast knows about it. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they're making a sequel, and I guarantee you they are aware of all of this stuff. 
Yeah, I'm kind of well, worried that... that the sequel won't be like what I want is because he is this like you know uh, I can do things my own way. I can I don't need to listen to rules. And now he's an old man, and I want it to be the story about this old man coming to terms with he can't do what he used to do. You know, that's what I want out of this movie. But I don't think I'm going to get it. We'll have to wait and see. It's um. That's another thing that Hollywood does. Like it doesn't let people age. You know, like instead of showing Kelly McGillis, Charlie's character age, they're just going to replace her with someone you know younger and thinner. She's like a disposable character, I guess. It ain't perfect. No, but like there's some stuff in this movie that's like. Like the, the the whole you know that like the beginning sequence like to get the lighting they had to like turn the carrier around. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> you saw that I, it cost like twenty five thousand dollars to turn of the Tony carrier. Scott's own pocket. I heard that the check bounced in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Hey man, hey, uh, you know uh, you got to get the shot. Yeah, you gotta get the shot. And the studio didn't want Kelly McGillis to be in the movie because they wanted to go with someone like younger, I guess. Uh, and he was like, "No, we're getting her." Who? Tom Cruise? No, no, uh, Tony Scott. Good on him for putting his foot down. Yeah, and I think they didn't like some of the filters he was using, and they fired the, the, him. But the then cinematography. He, yeah, like he he stuck to his guns when he when he could, and I, I appreciate him for that rest in peace man it's he yeah. was scheduled to to work on the sequel but then he, he i wonder uh, if kelly would have come back for the would have if come back for on, the sequel yeah probably i would like to think so he was clearly a fan of her yeah he fought for her in the first one i'm sure he would have fought for her then too it's man he was a great guy if you see behind the scene videos of him he's fantastic all around though. they all loved him they they said like working on top gun was like a party They'll yeah, all, he, like hang out he, afterwards. Denzel Washington loved working with Tony Scott. How many films did he work on him with him on? It's just constant. So many. He, he that was one of his. And Denzel is notoriously very picky about the projects he chooses. The only other guy that he's been kind of married to in a way was uh, Antoine Fuqua. That's the only other guy that Denzel Washington has worked with repeatedly, like on a repeated basis. And mm. him and Tony Scott. Have you ever been to Paramount's Great America? No. So back in the day, Paramount used to own a theme park and part of the theme park, they would like name rides after movies and have like licensed characters walk around. And then that's like one of these rides was called Top Gun. And it was one of those uh, roller coasters where you're like strapped in and your feet are dangling and it shoots you around super fast and then goes around loops over like the the lake or whatever and like as you're waiting in line they would play like kenny loggins in berlin and, and stuff oh and that's be, like dope. pictures of the movie and i guess paramount found that this wasn't profitable owning a theme park so they sold it off and all of the rides that had licensed names were renamed so now you can't ride top gun you gotta ride flight deck Lame. but they kept they kept the music and the movie props so it's kind of like writing Top Gun. Yeah. So, to end on a semi-positive note, uh, okay. Austin and I have decided to try to come up with some call signs of our own. So if we were in the in the Air Force, what would our call signs be? So, uh, Austin, what are some of yours? Uh, first choice is probably Stick Beast. 
because that is my handle on all the games that I play. Uh, it's my handle on Instagram and Twitter. So I feel like that's like the most on-brand name. Um, pro- also, I really like Apollo as a call sign for a, a pilot. Mm. It's the call sign in Battlestar Galactica. Yep, Apollo, Apollo Lee. Rock and roll is pretty good. I don't know if that that flies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. So I'm gonna go from like the least to most likely. I I like gnome. Gnome. Gnome, as in like a garden gnome. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, Le- Levy. Levy. Levy, not Levi. Levy, or it, it could it, it could be pronounced either way. But the reason is, so people said that I look like a Eugene. Eugene. Some people said, like, you don't look like a George, you look like a Eugene. And Eugene Levy. With thick glasses. <laughs> yeah. One that I could not help but put down would be Star Fox. Star Fox. I love that game so much as a kid. <laughs> Use the boost to get through. Now, these are the top four. One of them would be Giggles. And it's funny Giggles. because apparently that is a call sign for women. <laughs> but I don't care. I love, I love Giggles. Sasquatch would be another one. The second one would be Riot. From like the lame Venom villain? Yeah, but I would make him cool. Riot because I'm loud and I cause a riot wherever I go. Now the first one isn't original, but I think it perfectly fits. Banshee? No. If you're a fan of Overwatch, you'll you'll know this character. Junkrat. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna be Junkrat. <laughs> Yo, Junkrat, that fits. I love Junkrat. I I'd love to be, and that would be such a cool. That would be such a cool call sign. Junkrat, he's on your six. You're like what? what? <laughs> I like, love Junkrat. That's pretty good. It's pretty I like, good. I like Junkrat, and I like I like Gnome a lot too. I like, but Sasquatch and Riot would probably yeah. like be like Sasquatch. If you're Sasquatch, I'd be Wendigo. Oh, there you, you go, can, Wendigo you can and be Sasquatch. Be my wingman anytime. Yeah, you could be my wingman. I'm the Tom Cruise in this relationship. Say yes, Austin. You're goose, buddy. God, no, I'm not. You're goose, man. All yep. right. I think uh, that's oh, that's all we uh, have. Yes, but we do have to give our, our score, I guess. Oh, yes, movie. yes. Something we um, should probably like work on to like make it our brand. Out of how, ma- how many flybys do you give Top Gun? Oh, God. <laughs> Out of five flybys. Out of five flybys, how do you how do you rate Top Gun? I give this like a, a solid three and a half. I I love the film. Some of the things haven't aged too well. Some of them I can forgive. Other things I can't, or I can't really get over. And I I think in the grand scheme of things, I really enjoyed this film. But there's still a lot of films that I I, I hold more closer and more dear. Uh, but I enjoy Top Gun enough to want to buy the 4k version i would give this film with you know knowing everything with retrospective goggles and everything that you know, thinking about how movies were in the 80s i would also give it three flybys um i do love like the pure entertainment value like all the the, the one-liners are great but how pro war it is the effect it's had on the recruitment of you know, like them recruiting people outside the theater. That's like, you know, that this isn't like how it really is, right? Like, you can't just do all the things that Maverick does in this movie. There will be consequences if you do a flyby 
You don't have the green light. Yeah. The bathroom scene and the, especially with knowing about Tailhook, like that's mm. It's hard to divorce from the film. Yeah. But I think like the, the action scenes do hold up pretty pretty well. Especially with how the informs the viewer of like how to it, it tells you everything you need to know to understand what's happening in the movie. The character actors God damn it. Jesus Christ, the guy spilling his coffee on the fire. Yeah, ice. that's like that's that was funny. And like you see the guy get his coffee as he's about to do the last flyby, so you know it's gonna happen. Like it's just like textbook movie stuff that I I like. Banging soundtrack, man. That, the soundtrack is amazing. We hardly touched on the soundtrack, but it's fantastic. It's like a fun like rock and roll drive with the top down. I guess soundtrack. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. You know, it's something that I noticed, especially with this film, is that my favorite scenes will usually have good music. Like I will, I will put good music above a lot of other things. Because my scene, my yeah. my favorite scene with Jester, where they're chasing him, has the song "Mighty Wings," but it's an instrumental <laughs> version of it. And there's the scene where it's da 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 da, and it's so good. That sounded like "Take on Me." Oh, it's, well, I'm I'm terrible with fucking music, apparently with music and accents. But if you rewatch the scene where with Chester, it's the music fits so perfectly i love it i think the reason i love the scene a lot is because of the music as well yeah like i love yeah. everything that's happening but the music is there's like i like val kilmer in this movie but there's one scene where it's like obvious that he does not want to be in this movie it's the scene where goose has died and he's trying to tell maverick it's not your fault he just looks so over in that scene i don't know, I, i'd have to go back and rewatch it it's it's bad kind of bad yeah <laughs> We just look at how he's moving and how he's saying his lines. He's like, Mitchell, I'm sorry about Goose. Everybody liked him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And he does like this, like, he looks up and like reaches and he like looks down and he looks up again and then reaches. It's like, what is happening back there? And then his reaction's like, what the fuck was that? I did catch that. I did catch that. Oh, man. But I do like Val Kilmer in this movie and I'm glad that he's. In the new one, I guess. It ends with Maverick going back to his, like, reckless behavior. Like, he does a flyby at the end, which is kind of funny. And then he throws Goose's dog tags into the Indian Ocean. What? Give them to Meg Ryan. God damn it. I don't think it's a heavy enough indictment on that boys will be boys mentality. You know? That's what I... That's another thing that I hold back on. Like, like it's fine if he acts like this towards the beginning and then he like matures a bit but it seems like he kind of goes back to where he was in the beginning so three flybys all right yeah i i agree three and a half yeah yeah my three is like i like i like this movie if i gave it two it would be like i don't like this movie's like okay at best i kind of don't like it the three is there's a big gap between two and three for me yeah, like like you do enjoy it, but it's got it's not it's it's not it doesn't take your soul away. It doesn't trans. Yeah, it doesn't take my breath away. <laughs> How like hyped are you for the the sequel though? Like I'm super hyped. The way that they they, they you hear the anthem, the dun, 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 but it's like that soft piano, and like it copies the same shots from before, like the the thumbs up and then the salute when they're like about to be catapulted off the carrier him riding his motorcycle next to the jet next to the jet as it's taking off 
which apparently Tom Cruise never rode a motorcycle before this movie. He didn't, and, uh, and this was something... Ugh, love it. It's great. I love him. It's great. You just... I think he's very good at playing that, like, mythic hero. The, like, this guy can do anything if he believes in himself and does everything the way he knows how to do it. No red tape. And that's why Tom Cruise was perfect for the, yeah. for the role of Maverick. But I, what, I, what I want more than anything is to, like, kind of do what The Last Jedi did to Luke Skywalker, which a lot of people didn't like, but, like, I think it was great. It kind of deconstructed that hero and showed him as a person who's trying to live up to something that he can't possibly live up to oh, every him. time last jedi last jedi wow what are you a disney shrill i'm a ryan johnson shrill okay i hate <laughs> what they did to the end of the, the trilogy but that's that's a whole we should really that, do a star wars episode oh that that is a that is a too so we are ending the episode if you would like more you can subscribe to this podcast however you're listening to it we are on Instagram under retrograde underscore pod. Retrograde, one word, underscore pod. And you'll see like our little logo and everything that we had an artist do, Janelle. Instagram handle is Janelle, J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E underscore O. She has a lot of cool uh, stuff there. A lot of Red Link fan art if you're into those good mythical morning guys. I love our podcast art i think it's really cool. i do i think it's fantastic she killed it's, it yeah for a very reasonable price too it, yeah it it wasn't like total it wasn't like oh my god i gotta give um i gotta give an arm and leg for something that's like very well done all right thanks for listening everybody we'll be back with another episode uh what do you want to do next i don't know i don't know what's next hmm. we'd have to think about it we'd have to think about it but we'll, we'll keep doing this forever Forever Until and we ever. die. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace.